1: Hello, welcome back to What's Biz Live from our studios. Great to have you company for the next hour. You've tuned in to the call 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to two experts. We do it all in one hour. Uh, welcome to the team today, Grady Wolf from Bell Direct. Grady, Hi. how are you? Good, how are you? Howard Coleman from Team Invest. Hi, good, good to, to, to see you as well. A lot to talk about today, lots of reports, lots of updates. Um, this half hour, we're uh, going to take a look at uh, Treasury Wine Estate, uh, Northern Star, uh, IDP Education, Talga Group, and Delta Lithium. And uh, stock of the day, <laughs> we have to revisit. This was the subject of great discussion last week. Two weeks ago. Uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> Life three hundred and sixty. We had the team battling it out in a very nice sort of way on uh, Life360, and I think we ended the discussion with, uh, let's see how the company updated. Uh, Grady was uh, very positive going into the update, saying it would be good, Um, uh, Howard was yet to be convinced. Did come out with a pretty good update and got a good spike, revenue up 34%, subscription revenue of 46 million, um also uh annual monthly revenue 239 net loss still of 14 million dollars with the expectation that it was close to profitability all right we see there the uh the spike from it it has come down a bit um howard have you changed your mind on life
0: 360. look it's definitely a, a reasonably positive update so right. looking at that um i a bit encouraged But I think there are two things you've got to take into account. (laughs) Number one, it's a quarter. And David, you run companies, I've run companies, anybody who's run a company knows that if you want to make one quarter's figures look good, you can make one quarter's figures look good. It may come back and bite you later, but you can make one quarter's figures look very good very easily. And they refer to adjusted EBITDA, non-GARP figures. And when you look through all of it, you've got to do a fair bit of work to try and figure out what it actually did, other than the fact that the revenue was up. But revenue is not profit. So um, it needs, I think, a little while longer. I mean, and my other point is, would you put it in your top 20 stocks or top 25 stocks? Right and the answer from a team invest perspective is wouldn't even make the top 100 but it certainly looks better than it looked a quarter before
1: that, and if it carries on point. in
0: this direction yep. it would be very encouraging indeed
1: yeah but still too early for you Much too early and wouldn't get into no. your top
0: 20. i mean it hasn't really proved anything yet it's just proved it's improved yeah yeah <laughs> uh grady
2: maintain a buy rating koshi right. and uh, price target actually increased to nine dollars now bell is nine dollars so, what is it 640
1: 620
2: yeah at the moment? so over 12 months we see it going to nine dollars just because they are verging on profitability, they've said by quarter two they will be profitable, and they see it sustained profitability after that quarter. So they've been working hard, Howard, at getting this improvement cycle. They've got average paying circles up to 121 US dollars per month. Annualized monthly recurring revenue is 239.5 million dollars. So again, tech stocks, tech sector, you want to see annual rec- monthly recurring revenue up, which is exactly as what long they've as it's done. profitable. It's getting there, Howard. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Howard how makes a point.
2: He does make a point. Top 25 stocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Would it be in Bill's top 25 stocks? It
2: wouldn't, right. but at the same time, if someone's looking for real tech, like heavy tech in right. their portfolio, loves a bit of risk, this is exactly where you want to play. So, so it
1: would be, would it be amongst your top Techs like. Yeah, it's in our top techs. have 8, LTM, Technology 1, 0. Wise Wise Tech's one of our
2: top. Um, This would be in our top 25, top 20 tech stocks for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think it's more the risk end of it, but. Again, if you're if on you're a heavy tech portfolio and you like playing in risk, it's exactly where you're to play. Right, And okay. given that they're on the verge of profitability, it's kind of, yeah, in Bell's, in Bell's perspective, it's a good time to buy in.
0: Okay. And, right. and nothing specifically about uh, 360, and I think everything you yeah, yeah, yeah. Really said I agree with. Yeah. Um, when you look at what management says about a business, there was a beautiful report in the Fin Review the other day that 70% of management's budgets and expectations uh, for the year ahead turn out to be materially wrong. Right. I did so, say that
2: this morning. Absolutely, yeah, so just yeah.
0: because management says it doesn't necessarily mean it turns into reality. Life no. is never that simple. Yeah. I'm sure you at the beginning yeah. of the year with Port Adelaide say we're gonna win a flag. Yeah. So does every other team but only one of them gets it right. Yeah. 17 of them get it wrong.
2: Hold on, port's pretty close, Howard, got
0: only around 10. Uh, but they got a better chance than many others at the right. moment. Yeah, yeah. But 17 of them get it wrong.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No,
0: that's a good point. All right, let's get into the stocks that you want us to uh,
1: have a look at, and Nick Howard wants a look at treasury wine estate our biggest listed wine producing company did an update this morning yeah. earnings outlook um, says it's now expected group sales for 2023 to fall two to three percent with declines in its american division and um it's uh, cheaper commercial wines pinfolds though did pretty well you can see the market has uh, marked it down today. Um, what do you think of Treasury?
0: Look, um, I think they're doing the right thing in what they call their premiumization. There yep. are really only two points on the scale where you are likely to make really big money. You've either got to be at the premium end and high priced, or you've got to be able to really drive costs out and be the lowest cost in your particular industry. Yeah. Anywhere in between, you never really make that much money for shareholders. Yep. Now they've been somewhere towards the upper part but not right at the top. They're now moving right up into premium which I think is a good thing. But when you look at its 10-year return on equity, there's only been 2 years out of 10 where they've done better than 10% return on equity. Right. And return on equity sets an upper cap on your returns to shareholders. If you can't generate more than 10% return on equity in the long-term, shareholders can't gain more than 10% per annum through owning it in the long-term. So you can trade it sometimes, buying it when it's cheap and selling it when it's more expensive. But as a long-term investor, the first thing you've got to look at is return on equity, and their return on equity is too low. Okay.
1: All right. So a note for you, yep. uh, Grady. Hold Treasury. at the
2: moment. Now we've seen this share price come off last year. It was firstly impacted by China imposing the uh, tax on this company. So they were absolutely slandered by that. And then this, obviously the update out today is um, their US sales are flat. So we're seeing cost of living pressures obviously hitting pretty hard in the US and we're seeing I know a lot of people during COVID turned to alcohol, but apparently cost of living pressures are the reason they turn away yeah. from alcohol. So yeah. again, this is because the they're region. cheaper
1: brands in America. Yeah,
2: the cheaper brands in America, and they're still not buying them. So yeah. again, this is obviously material. And they're getting rid of them, aren't they? Also? Yeah, and yeah. so it's a material downfall for the company. Um, Penfolds is, as you said, driving the revenue for the company and continuing to make growth. But again, um, the expectation for net sales revenue to decline two to three percent in a time where. Um, cost of living pressures are hitting yeah. pretty hard that's not what you want to hear so yeah. yeah again a hold because they've obviously come down a long way um but it's only in the short term because we're expecting cost of living pressures to ease next year and the year after yeah. so once they do then we'll see a material uplift
1: i didn't realize they had um so many brands in the cheap end of the market yeah um, yeah uh, promoted by of all people snoop dog yeah so i thought <laughs> Well now pick Snoop Dogg as a wine uh, as a, drink a bit yeah, up in but those beverages.
2: Apparently they're in doing America. that that would have cost a lot of money to get Snoop Dogg <laughs> on the campaign, but Uber Eats is doing it for Kim Kardashian, they're not profitable, so uh, there you go. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, and certainly the penfold's brand huge. I was coming back from the coronation and we had a stop over in Dubai and there was there's a wine shop at the oh. airport there that had a fridge and sort of to keep it at room temperature of Grange oh. going back to 1954. Wow. wow. I they just thought, that's a few penfolds in there. And it was all Grange. Wow. It, it tells you it's that amazing. there are a fair
0: number of people who pass through divide yeah.
1: with a yeah. lot of money.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly
1: Did right. you?
2: Surely you had a glass. Oh, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, no
1: way.
2: Not for me. <laughs> Cost of living pressures are high.
1: All right, at doc. let's turn our attention to... Uh, to gold and uh, les wants to view uh, grady are one of our biggest gold producers northern star uh, gold price down a bit under 2000 yeah. us dollars at the moment but in australian dollar terms i think it's still a one. Wide- uh, well above 3,000.
2: Yeah, and $3, now when we look at the gold sector we have to look at investor appetite and sentiment and what we've seen recently is investors piling in and they're riding the volatility of markets really and this, what was gold was seen, deemed a safe haven asset which kind of it's still really volatile because we're seeing investors pile in, get out, pile in, get out. Yeah. So understanding that Northern Star is kind of driven by that and their March quarter was softer than expected because of milling issues at the Pogo mine and also their KCGMA I think it's a Kalgoorlie operations. So, understanding that they did have uh, a reduction in production and milling issues that have caused a material output uh, decline. Um, we are co- The company, company is confident on um, their strong fourth quarter, obviously overcoming those milling issues. And overall, the outlook is pretty strong. Um, and, yeah, as I said, they're expecting a pretty strong start to the fourth quarter and then ending the financial year on a pretty big high. Um, again, the company is, um, their mines are, they're diversified. So that's what you want to see in a gold miner. So Western Australia, Alaska of all places, and the US. Mm. Oh, so obviously the US is Alaska. Um, so understanding that is that they're diversified. So they have the US gold price and the Australian spot gold price. So um, with the Australian operations, Australian spot gold prices remained really strong. Mm. But, again, this is a hold rating because we don't actually rate it. We go on cities rating, but our bell picks are Gold Road Resources and Orcorp.
1: Right. Yeah. So a um, uh,
0: hold for you. Yeah. Uh, Northern Star? Yeah, I, as you know, David, I don't get very enthused about miners in general and gold miners. I mean I grew up in South Africa, watched uh, our stock exchange there which had probably 90 percent of the stocks on it were gold miners (coughs) and very very few of them ever made money for shareholders. And the interesting thing is so they've got three mines in three different parts of the world at the moment and one of them had milling issues. Now I would say that probably one in three holes in the ground that you're digging stuff out of has milling issues every time so this is not a one-off next time it may not be pogo it may be kalgoo or it may be the other one and so on so the Uh, milling is where you get the gold out of the rock around it mm, I mean firstly you've got to find the gold in the ground that costs lots of money So you drill the holes, you find the gold, you've got to borrow money from your shareholders in terms of raising capital to do that. Then you find the gold and you start digging for it. Now you need a whole lot of equipment for that Mm. and you need a crushing plant, so you ask your shareholders for more money again. Then when you get that, then you've got to rely on being able to sell it at a price that's significantly higher than it costs you to produce. So gold miners are always going to make brilliant money for shareholders, but somehow never do. Yeah. Northern Star, one of the better ones. So if you were in a gold miner, this would be certainly among your top ones to look at. But really, there's so much easier ways to make money on a stock exchange than through gold miners. Right. (laughs) So you don't go there at all, gold miners. And and it's a wasting resource.
1: You you were bought, uh, but that would apply to most... Mining. Mining
0: companies. Absolutely. Right. It's yeah, a wasting yeah. resource. Yeah. <laughs> and, and gold is usually a faster wasting resource because you find some iron right. ore, you usually have an enormous mm. amount of it. You find some gold, the next thing is there's a dip in the, yeah. the your, underground thing yes. and where you thought there was more gold, there isn't. And now you've got to go and do some more drilling to find it. Yeah, Okay, but your colleague Mark Mullen, yeah. he loves mineral resources. I quite like mineral resources too, and I own right. it. But it's, oh, but it's oh, okay. risky, yeah. and I wouldn't own five of them. So right. if there were five equivalent companies and mineral resources was one of them, and I thought they were equal in every respect, yeah. one's plenty for me. I'm right, so you my have a portfolio. bit of exposure, but you're a tiny very
1: bit through ridiculous. Min.
0: Mainly because Min has absolutely brilliant capital allocation mm-hmm. uh, ideas. Right. Chris Ellison is a genius at capital yep. allocation. Yeah. Um, That's hugely important because return on invested capital is probably the most important measure for a mining company. Yep. Well that's why we we were shocked, there were
1: shockwaves through the call yesterday. Because Mineral Resources came up uh, with (laughs) Carl Kappelinga from Think Markets and uh, Scott Phillips from the Motley Fool, both put a sell on it. (gasps) Okay. I hold
2: it, I bought in recently myself and uh, yeah.
1: They they both said, no sell, and I think it's the first time
2: wow. ever,
1: on the call of is a pretty popular stock yeah. both and <laughs> <What would> that both paddlers have put us. a sell on it. Um, unpredictability of the lithium price going Absolutely.
0: forward
2: and yeah. the
1: iron
0: ore price. True. And they're about to spend billions of dollars in developing a new port and transport to a new port for uh, iron ore. Right. So yeah. uh, you know they've got billions of dollars of capital expenditure, yeah. and two Commodities that who knows what their price will be yeah. in five and ten so years. So, are you time. selling
1: me to resources
0: at the moment? I mean, it's only about six percent of my portfolio, right. so it's not a big deal to me. Yeah, um, am I comfortable with it? Not totally, but it gives me a bit of exposure, and yeah, I'm and it's well run, yeah, and it's
1: well run, yeah, yeah. okay, all right, okay. Uh, our next stock, Charles, wants a view uh, uh, on a more traditional industrial stock, Howard, um, IDP education the uh, big education group that's into uh, English language Mm. uh, testing for overseas students coming into universities here in Australia. Some used to be a lot bigger, but IDP Education's biggest uh, um, shareholders used to be those universities. (laughs) So they sort of managed it pretty well, saying, oh, yeah, to actually get entrance into the university, you've got to pass this
0: Uh, English language test, and this is the company you do it by. Absolutely. And they're also very good at marketing to overseas students while the students are still overseas in order to get them to come and study with them because there are alternatives. They don't have to study with uh, IDP. They could study with somebody else, but this is a preferred one as far as most of the universities are concerned. High return on equity, it's been Uh, More than 10% every year since they've listed, which is about seven years. We'd prefer 10, but at least at seven. Uh, Recently, about 22% ROE. Earnings are growing, which is uh, obviously the other thing you want to see, and they've been growing at an average of about 10% per annum, which is very, very good, and uh, uh, not much debt. Uh, a little bit more debt than you'd usually expect in a company like this. Possibly they made an acquisition at some stage, not quite sure. But they've got a little bit more debt uh, than we would ideally like yeah. in a company that doesn't have any real assets other than IP, but it's well within our filters. So from that point of view, uh, uh, look pretty decent. P-E ratio is the only thing that would make us say a hold rather than a buy. Right? You know, if it, it, it's PE's about 54 so over fifty, if its PE was thirty five, it would at least be worth looking at. Yeah. But it, you know, even thirty five is not mm-hmm. usually sustainable when interest rates are high. But yeah. with a PE of fifty plus, uh, it's just way too expensive. Yeah. Does that PE
1: anticipate though um, international students coming back into Australia? They've
0: been yeah,
1: sort but of, usually, haven't been able to for the last three or four years. Which true, COVID.
0: but usually. Um, had we not had a period of zero interest rates for a long time a PE of 30 would anticipate massive growth in the future Uh, it's just mm -hmm. we got into bad habits uh, that people thought had become permanent that interest rates would be so low and it's pretty obvious now that interest rates are going to be high higher for longer not necessarily that much higher than they are now But I mean, they're not going down in any time soon. And therefore PE ratios, on average, are likely to head back down more to the sort of 10 to 30 range that companies were normally in. So companies on PE's are 50. There's a lot of potential downside, but it looks like a very good company. Okay, all right. And the visit of the
1: Indian Prime Minister, I reckon, international students would have been high on the agenda with <laughs> trade talks there. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, Grady, what do you, what do Bills analysts think yeah, about
2: it? I literally spoke to the analyst Olivia yesterday, and she said, reiterated the hold rating just again because what Howard said. It's a very expensive, uh, really high ratio P ratio at the moment, um, and it's try it's. It's really interesting. Um, The acquisition front that Howard touched on—they did make an acquisition of a company called the Ambassador Platform in the UK. Now, it's a software as a service platform for higher education institutions to connect existing students with prospective students. So they're trying to use existing students as their form of marketing. So as Howard said again, it was—it's a a really good marketing company. Mm. And this acquisition is the cost of nine million pounds or sixteen point eight million Australian dollars. Now, understanding that um, we've just reduced our price target to $30 um, on the company over the next 12 months just because we see we want to see how this um, ev- eventuates for them. There are some synergies in what they currently offer and what this new platform will bring on board for them. Oh. Um, so they're saying that that will be the easy way to facilitate the kind of onboarding. But at the same time, again, they're changing their marketing strategy to use word of mouth as opposed to cold calls and all of that. So, again, it's really interesting that they have gone with that. The company has really good global exposure, huge global exposure, which is what you want to see for a company like this. They're leading in the field, founded in 1969, so huge history. Yeah. So, they've done a really, really good job. It's a great company. But at the same time, we just want to see how this acquisition plays out over the next So, it's months.
1: almost... Um, and- what Howard often yep. refers to—that execution risk when you you take on something overseas or start overseas—sounds good. Yep. but are you going to be able to pull it off?
2: Exactly, and also just waiting to see if the nine million spend, what the revenues come in from that, if right, if any, really. Okay. So just seeing what that the synergies are and how they. Can benefit from the revenues in the future. They're not going to be realised for a while, which is what the analyst has put in there. Yeah. Um. But understanding that, they just want to see how the uh, acquisition plays out before, uh, okay. before looking at a whole a buy really. So it's definitely right. a hold.
1: Okay, hold from both uh, Howard and Grady on IDP. Uh, Alma wants a view where uh, Grady on Talga Group. They're yeah. a battery anode and advanced materials company. They develop green battery anodes. So that sort of ethical consideration yep. um, in the, uh, the battery supply chain um, sort of Batteries now, everyone's excited.
2: Batteries, about you say the word battery and everyone yeah, jumps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so they link
1: it to lithium. Uh, yeah. That's a great double, all those buzzwords. <laughs>
2: yeah, but the thing about this company is that they're in graphite. And yeah. I was at the Resources Rising Stars conference last week on the Gold Coast and one of the uh, investors showed me a photo of what an EV battery looks like in terms of the um, amount of each commodity in there, oh, each yeah. material. Graphite makes up the most. It's not lithium, it's graphite. Mm -hmm. And graphite is the required commodity for lithium batteries to work. So mm. it was, it really changed my perspective. And that's why hearing graphite at the moment, that's kind of the word of the moment, really. Mm. Like lithium was a moment of the word of last year, graphite is the word of this year. And the thing about Talgo, we've just initiated coverage of them because we're looking to get into the graphite space with a price target of $2.50 over the next uh, 12 well, months. double. So double, exactly. Um, the reason we like them, we have a spec buy rating at the moment, just because there's a few key milestones over the next 12 months they do need to get through, including binding offtake agreements for 75% of production to align with debt funding, um, project funding of 860 million and construction commencements. So what they're sitting on is one of the highest grade and one of the most advanced in terms of battery anode production graphite developers. So they've got this massive graphite um, well mine really ready to go and they've just got to, um, they've got to get that going really. And so you're buying into the pre-story at the moment. I hate saying story because Howard just chops me off every time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but what you're Alan's buying... come up with a wry grin just, just oh. as the word story I, I was actually going to use the word story. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I could have jumped on you for saying that. <laughs> anyway, so again So it's not
1: in production yet.
2: It's not in production yet, no. So they anticipate the amount is will be will grow to 2.4 million tons of graphite though per, per year for this company. Mm-hmm. So understanding that and the need for graphite in EV batteries, the world movement to EV batteries and EV cars, this puts it in a really, really good place. And um, the company also, we anticipate, yeah, again, they've got this this uh, production chain in Sweden. So, what we're seeing is a lot of companies looking to get away from China when assembling these EV cars and assembling the batteries and the anodes. So, the company <coughs> has it in um, Sweden. So, that's what they think is going to be a very beneficial factor as well.
1: Oh, so they got the mine here? Yes. And the factory in Sweden?
2: Yeah. Oh, uh. Swotted by uh, Swedish graphite business, so uh, they've got the vertically integrated Swedish graphite anode business.
1: Getting good government.
2: Probably support government it rebates in support, oh, yeah.
1: Oh, no, that's what a lot of governments... Uh, that's what the US has, its strategic yeah. investment fund that, exactly. for critical materials. Is yeah. graphite common? I'm
2: not um, sure not so much, but also this week, it, this company has been put in a good place because the US has now agreed with Australia to um, develop the mineral resources sector. So uh, Rare Earths Lithium, they're doing joint incentives and joint funding. So
1: right. And is getting some of that. It's, no. It should be in the
2: right place at the right okay. time. All right. Alan? Yeah, um, it's a great story
0: and uh, about once a decade, graphite is. And in fact, I was at university doing physics as a major, uh, became a physicist in the late 1960s and graphite was going to make everybody rich. (laughs) Uh, A a, a few years (laughs) later. Um, Well, once a decade, it's going to make people rich a few years later. It's never done so. And if you look at this company, it lost 88 percent of all its shareholders equity in 2015, 46 percent in 2016, 47 percent in 2017, 55 percent in 2018, etc. I can carry on most years over 100 percent of shareholders equity. So they are obviously extremely efficient at mining shareholders wallets it would appear (laughs) but I don't know that they're that good at running a business. So yes graphite could be wonderfully valuable. There are all sorts of new technologies coming out for batteries, some using manganese, some using magnesium, some using um, uh, graphite and, and so on. Um, but in the end, you've got to have a business to invest in. And this has not shown anything that suggests right. it's a business. It just
1: kept raising capital, doesn't yeah,
0: it? Well, it's done that. Uh, the are worse ones. I mean, the yeah. things on the stock exchange are raised more often than them. But In seven years, they've doubled their number of shares on issue, and about every second year it looks like they do a capital raising. But the more important thing is they're losing money at a rapid rate, so they're going to have to keep on raising money. Um, When this company stops being a story and starts being a business, it'll be worth looking at for a portfolio, from my opinion and Team Invest members' opinion. But it isn't now. Okay. Um,
2: Their mine is in North Sweden. Sorry. So their mine and their operations are in Sweden. Oh, okay. So they're filtering through to Europe. Right. Pretty exciting.
1: Um, Now, Ron wants a view. um, I'm wondering if this is just a story as well, Howard, on Delta Lithium. It's got its Mount Ida Lithium province in Western Australia.
0: Yeah, well, it's only been listed for five years. It's lost money every year for five. Um, If you wanted to be in lithium, there are people who are already producing and making money out of it, like Mineral Resources, which we mentioned earlier. West Farmers is now uh, three-quarters of the way uh, done in producing lithium hydroxide. Um, They've already producing the actual uh, mean. So uh, why would you want to be invested in one of the probably a 1,000 different, and I doubt that I'm exaggerating, New lithium mines around the world that don't make money. When there are a small number that are already making money, yeah. um, there's there's one I know that uh, Grady likes. Uh, what's it? Hillbra. Uh, Hillbra. Yeah, Lion and
2: Liantian as well.
0: Yeah. Okay. So the others that are making money, why wouldn't you rather invest in that than in one that is a total and utter gamble as to whether it'll ever become a successful business or not? Yeah. Grady?
2: Our analyst has a spec buy rating on them with a price target of $1.05. Again, this company is obviously in the lithium space, which we've seen in recent times. The headlines are saying lithium has bottomed out and we've seen the price come back. Um, I actually spoke to the Managing Director of Pilbara and Chairman of Liontown last week at the same conference and they were both saying the, the view has always been long-term, like we're not phased by the short-term dips B- in Buffett the market. Buffett always
0: says you never ask your barber whether you need a haircut.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, but I just asked on the Outlook, not their companies, but I said... Given you're in the space, there's a lot of noise out there about the price and demand outweighing supply, supply outweighing demand. And they were like, No, we're not phased by that. We know that as long as batteries are needed, we're needed. And so, and they think that their supply will never meet demand. So, understanding that we're seeing a lot more turnaround in the space, and headlines are saying that the bottom has now. But with Delta,
1: Pilbara and Lion Town,
2: yeah, well advanced. They're producing
1: now. They're producing now. They've got customers, they're yeah. building relationships. Kathleen
2: Valley for Liontown's coming online mid-next year, but their right. CapEx went up to ensure they meet the deadline. Yeah. But they have customers, Tesla, Ford, LG, like they're ready to go. Yeah, so these new ones These new ones have new no one, have no one um, which is why we have a spec by rating on them. Right. But... There's been increasing levels of interest from Hancock prospecting and obviously Chrysalis and Mineral Resources on the smaller players, and so with that in mind, there's a bit of interest in the smaller players because they the bigger players are trying to expand extend oh. their mining and their de- their Sorry, geography M and A potential exactly. So this company is um, the Mount Ida yeah. is relatively near produ- near term producer, so they're looking to come online. To produce, uh, so direct or ship, direct shipping, or by the end of CY23, so end of this year. They're yep. looking to come online with direct shipping or straight away, um, so that's obviously going to the spot market. But then once you get offtake agreements, that's where you kind of want to play because you then get the security of actually selling right. the product. So with the lithium, um, and they've also got well, what we see is their attractive characteristics as a lithium developer. So what we see is that they're again they're targeting commencement by Q four this of CY. Um, 23. the early Yinathara exploration, that's their other mine, is looking really favourable for having lithium uh, assets there and the high lithium potential. Um, they're independent and they don't have any major big players on their books yet, so they could be an M&A target takeover. Okay. So, and, yeah. and
0: lithium, by the way, is not uncommon. You know, there's oh. lithium in the ground all over the world. If you
2: dig in your backyard, you might find it. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> and there's there's hundreds of new lithium stories like this. Yeah. And if they all eventually come on stream, which I'm sure they won't, Something most like of them would just lose their shareholders' money. But if they did all come on stream, there'd be such a glut of lithium that yeah. we wouldn't know what to do with all this stuff. Um, does a potential
1: takeover target ever come on your radar? Well, or or do, do you take that into consideration ever in making an investment? Not really, but
0: if if you really like a company, you own it and it's proven to be a wealth winner for a long time and it's going to make a takeover, then I'd rather own the wealth winner to start with than the takeover target because they'll turn it into a good business. Businesses are run by people. And the same as we say in sport, a coach makes a huge difference, the management team in charge makes a huge difference, etc. It's the same in business. So just because a company has found lithium in the ground. Hooray hallelujah. Hundreds of people are finding lithium in the ground all around the world. Yeah. Are they going to turn it into a business that is profitable for shareholders? Right. That's the key. Yep.
1: All right, let's recap the uh, the first five stocks. Uh, Life 360, no from Howard, a buy from uh, Grady Bell. Uh, Treasury Wine Estate, uh, a no from Howard, a hold from Bell. Uh, Northern Star, no from Howard, a hold from um from Grady, but Bell uh, prefer gold road in the um, in the gold space. IDP a hold from both. Uh is a spec buy with a price target of 250 from Bell, a no from Howard, and uh, Delta Lithium is a spec buy uh, from Bell and a no from Howard. Here on the call, we've been following our own um, fantasy fund as uh, sort of picked by our investment commissi- committee, the last committee meeting. You can see on osbys.com at that meeting in May they trimmed a percent of their holding from Macquarie Group, West Farmers and Elders, added that percent to Wise Tech, MA Financial and Cash, and they replaced Ostel with Kelsian Group and. Uh, Since inception, the fund's up about 10% at the moment. All right, this half hour, we're going to take a look at uh, Australian Agricultural Co, Green Technology Metals, Propel Funeral Partners, uh, Imugene, and Magellan Financial. And uh, 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 Howard uh, Pearl wants a view on Australian
0: Agricultural Company, the big cattle producer. Yeah, I mean... Look, it, it does what it does well, but it's very, very hard <laughs> yeah. to make money in agriculture yeah. because there's so many things outside of your control, the weather being the most important one of the whole lot. Yep. So when you look at AAC, um, there've been some years it's run at a loss, and there's only been one year in 10 that it's actually had a return on equity of more than 10%. Right. So... Uh, my sympathies to them, I'd hate to be running a business like that. It's just impossible to know what's going to happen next year, you know. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's a no from me, but uh, I admire them for trying, but I wouldn't want to have it in my portfolio.
1: Yeah, that share price um, uh, chart really tells the story, doesn't it? And uh, again, agricultural stocks. You've got to trade them more than long term investors. Absolutely. Aren't they?
0: And that's not what we're experts in. I yes. mean, you get people who come on the show who are people yep. who really focus on trading. Um, I've never seen any evidence that traders in the long term do better than long term investors. So I'm not interested in doing it. But um, certainly we have no expertise in it. We, we yep. look at those kind of stocks and say, too, odd. too it hard. Let's stick <laughs> to things yeah. that are easier. Yep, too volatile. Uh, Grady.
2: I'm going to contrast your opinion there Howard and say it's a buy rating with a price target of $2.15. Now Bells think it's trading at a really high discount. Um, excessively so they've been caught up in the ag stock sell-off recently because we yeah. have seen livestock prices come down and moderate since the high last year we have seen um, feed prices come down um, so there's a lot of tailwinds that are t- turning into head no headwinds turning into tailwinds but the thing with the company is that their operating revenue for the first half is up 14% operating a bit is up 35% live weight sold was down 2% year-on-year but oh sorry, it's quarterly. Um but revenue per kilo is up sixteen percent year on year. So they're um they're live weight sold is down but the price is up and that's exactly what you want to play into we're seeing prices moderate um we saw another i think it's elders we have a hold rating on because they have livestock prices coming down um, for lamb mutton all of that but then if this company is really benefiting from livestock prices growing then good on them so that's what we like to see in this company and they're really um they're vertically integrated across cattle so they've got from literally, they span the entire supply chain from genetics, nutrition, pasture operations, feed, lots, and processing. So they go from start to finish. So and they, just look how hard that is. It You've is hard. You've got to hard. get all of those things right. It is hard. <laughs> it's but quite when, scary. But when one part's underperforming, you have the other parts over, like really outperforming the market. So what we've seen is that recent cattle prices for the second half of the downdraft have been... Um, absorbed by land value and herd growth so that's what you want to see so one when one area is underperforming you want to see the rest kind of lifting up and then obviously average costing and all of that plays into comes into play but again we do like the company so um yeah it's okay yeah pretty good um
1: it's an amazing business though it is amazing i've got a um a colleague who's involved in kidman uh pastoral and the technology that they're introducing there honestly sort of uh gps tracking the cows yeah. gps tracking the water the whole thing
2: it's all of the amazing. farming ag ag chem and ag stocks all of the john deere like yes. john deere the headers and tractors now they're i'm like just, can i get in there
1: yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> you, you i have can. nothing to
2: do with farming yeah. and i would just like they're, all remote. Normal, they're all remote like, yeah, you don't yeah. need anyone on there Long it's gone amazing. are the days Good of on. harvesting and seeding being yeah. 24-hour jobs. But well, the, so, the trouble is, they it's, just yeah. hard it's hard to make money, money out
0: of it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's the trouble. All
2: the money goes into the infrastructure. Into the and into brilliant
0: ideas to make things more efficient. Yeah. 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 And, and really, I mean, farming today compared to 50 or 100 years oh. ago, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. But it's hard to make money. Yep.
1: Yeah, because you can't control nature. Absolutely.
0: Um, all
1: right, uh, Louis wants a view, Grady, on green technology metals. We're back in the lithium space as well. Yeah. Uh, Root Lake, Seymour Lake, and Wiesa Lake are the three projects. All in Canada
2: and Canada is an emerging as a pretty, pretty good place to have your lithium assets, especially Mm. with the growth in the North American EV space and the demand and growth there. So, they're in the right place. Again, what we're saying is you're buying into the story. They're not producing yet. So, what you want to see and they've got over 56,000 hectares of exploration claims. So, that's good. Um, I can see Howard looking at me ready to... (laughs) pounds <laughs> um so the seymour project root project so these are all the seymour project is the main one they've got 10 10- million tons at 1.04% lithium oxide so that's pretty good result so far from drilling to date um, they're also looking into downstream lithium processing capabilities so again with the likes of Liontown we've seen them jumping into that and that's where the margins are made so not just mining and getting the product it's actually processing it as well that's where all the margins are made um, now the company has announced a strategic investment and offtake agreement with battery OEM LG solutions so LG has taken a stake in the company so with that in mind you've got a big player massive player in the electronic space LG on your books and they're ready to go so it does say that the company uh, they got a 20 million dollar placement from them so uh, with LG LG must have some pretty good outlook on the company so you don't sign an offtake agreement if you don't have the resources so yeah so we do like the story so far but Um, Yeah, they are aiming for first development by 2024 and then first concentrate from 25, 26 and then lithium hydroxide production from 27. The key about lithium hydroxide is it makes more money than spodumene concentrate. So 10 times the revenue, I think it is. So understanding that, looking good.
1: Having a big global group as a significant shareholder, does that add credibility?
0: Well, it means probably that they can get any extra money when they need extra money. And with interest rates rising and quantitative tightening, very slowly tightening uh, around the world at the moment, uh, it's going to get tougher and tougher to raise funds. So unprofitable companies are going to go to the wall more and more and more. So from that point of view, they're in an advantaged position because they've got somebody with deep pockets there. But again, you know, uh, it sounds great, and Grady would obviously know the business far better than me because Team Invest members would take one glance at this and say, Explorer, it's not making money. There's (laughs) hundreds of them doing the same things around the world. It's not in our top even 50 or 100 that we may look at to find our top 20. So I wouldn't even bother knowing anything about it, put it that (laughs) way. As Buffett says, um, you have a very small in-basket, a quite large, out." Uh, No, or sort of, I shouldn't say in basket, yes basket, a very large uh, no basket, but the biggest basket of the whole lot is the too hard.
2: Why bother? (laughs) Why
0: bother even looking at it? Yeah, okay, good
1: point. Uh, All right, David wants to view Howard on Propel Funeral Partners as they. quaintly uh, say they're in the death care services business in Australia and New Zealand. Funeral homes, cremation, cemeteries,
0: and that sort of infrastructure. um, Yeah, they're a mini version of what InvoCare built Mm. it up to Mm. being. And we know inevitably that everybody dies and with the ageing population in Australia, death rates are going to be larger than they were a decade earlier and our population's increasing anyway. So all of that... So the thematic is there. The thematic is there. And until COVID hit, People were spending more and more and more money on funerals. They wanted more elaborate things, they wanted videos, they wanted um, fancy food there and so on and so forth. So that was really great for InvoCare. COVID killed that and it seems not to have come back to the same extent after COVID. People are spending on funerals more than they were 20 years ago but nothing like they were pre-COVID. Hmm. The other problem with this company is its return on equity is very low. InvoCare right. is higher. I mean, theirs has been 6 to 8%. Um, InvoCare most years was well over 10%. Um, its debt levels are okay. Its earnings per share growing. But with that kind of uh, low return on equity, you as a shareholder are not going to be making any great right. returns over the long term. So it. Do, you, do you prefer InvoCare in this? Well, we would, but, I well, mean, no, it no. looks as though InvoCare is uh, subject to a takeover or something yes, at the mm-hmm, moment. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't own InvoCare either because it had too much debt, right. but in all other metrics it looked better than this. Yeah, because their, their big thing, wasn't it, is that they were be, uh,
1: turning all their funeral parlours into licensed premises because everyone mm-hmm. wanted to party in a wake rather than just cucumber sandwiches at the end, <laughs> yes. of, uh, at the end <laughs> of a funeral. And, and the other uh, a big increase in numbers not very big in yield
0: is pet cremations yes have gone through the roof but yes. there's not as much money and, no. and you would think as as the money sloshing around in the world that you know 14 trillion that was created in yeah. fresh air during covid around the world as that gradually gets pulled yeah. back um, you'd think things like very expensive pet cremations may sort of go off people's lists. Yeah, you may yeah. just bury your pet in the back backyard <laughs> yeah. instead. And, it's a good old traditional and,
1: and, way, isn't and, it? And feed
0: yourself instead.
1: Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Grady, uh, uh, what do you think um, We
2: have a buy rating on <laughs> Propel Funeral Partners. What they, we've seen recently is uh, obviously this company, in InvoCare, benefited highly during COVID from the number of, um, obviously, number of deaths and then the subsequent backlog of uh, funerals over the last year that they're trying to get through. I think the funeral blowout was pushed to about three months at some stage. So obviously people would pass away and then they they had that much of a backlog once we were out of lockdowns that they had funeral after funeral after. So demand, it was really high. Wow. And that's what drove up the prices well, of put the them revenues. in the fridge
0: and just well, wait. I think, sadly, wow.
2: I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Rather
0: ask the people to hang on longer and don't die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'd agree with that too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if they had a choice, Howard, they would. Um, but what we're seeing is this company's really successfully executing a lot of um, acquisitions. So they had two in the first half. Oh, sorry, the second half of h 2 this year um one in sydney metro and one in new zealand but they're targeting areas that aren't so um populated that aren't so overcrowded in the competitive market so they're not going metro sydney they're going suburban sydney and same in new zealand so Mm. these acquisitions are set to be um, their key market share of the um sydney area is set to reach close to four percent which is pretty good for this company and also the company is um they're their expansion strategy is to get the outsides of the metro area so they cover the whole outside suburban area right. and so it's pretty it's a pretty good strategy to go through and it's worked for them so far but the other thing that they've got is that these um, acquisitions have owned cremation facilities and that's where the margins are made so higher margins come through cremation included in their funeral mm-hmm. facilities so that's exactly what we wanted to see um we do see that the annualized uh, the an- two acquisitions will bring in 18 million dollars in annualized recurring revenue um, which is incremental for the company. And we see a full in, full contribution in FY24 because it's just happened at the end of this year, obviously. Um, cost increase for acquisitions was $145 million, But again, NPAT, we're expecting to grow to, by 5.4% in FY24 and 5.5% in FY25. So material uplift in that. Um, mm. Also, apparently, death volumes are set to come down. Um, that's a predicted outlook. But again... Everyone, as Howard said, everyone is going to die inevitably. Right. So there will always be demand for their services. Okay.
1: All right. Um, and that's the preferred one in the sector? Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, Stephen wants to view Grady on a biotech company mm. in uh, cancer immunotherapy, uh, Immugene.
2: I know I'm going to start talking and how it's going to rip me to shreds, but we have a spec buy on the company if you like the story. So with healthcare stocks, you're right. buying into the story or buying in at the regulatory <laughs> phase, the approval phase, commercialization phase. Right. Again, this chart is extremely messy. Um, The company specialises in new agents for various cancer injections. The first in-human trial for Oncolitics has been announced, so it's a major development for the company. Um, So the FDA in the US has allowed them to commence this trial. Again, they're still in trials, but it represents the first human trial for this major milestone. Um, It's in partnership with, well, it's not in partnership, but they're using another product as uh, the Blink, uh, I think it's Bl- Blincito. It's a form of T-cell therapy. So they're using a combination of that and their um therapy together to target these cancer cells. Um, again, this company has, they burn a lot of cash. As you can see, it, they've had nine clinical trials underway and approximately $164 million in cash representing three years of cash burn. Oh. So again, um, we're not expecting <coughs> any of their any of their treatments to be... approved in the coming years or at least the next two years so again if you want to buy in it's a spec buy it's a really cheap share price so you're buying into the story and i'm going to pass to howard because he's going to rip (laughs) me to shreds
0: no i I wish this company all the best i wish them the best as well i I hope they are very successful and that every one of their uh, trials succeeds and they come out with wonderful therapies for all different kinds of cancers yeah that'd be absolutely marvelous Mm -hmm. but you know companies with only one or two things in trials yeah. firstly you've got to go through phase one trials in humans then you've got phase two then you've got phase three that's usually about a decade nowadays they've cut it down to about eight years because technology has speeded up some of it and it's maybe so it'll expensive. come down to six yeah absolutely forty-one
2: thousand us dollars it's per patient huge by trial amount three. of money
0: Wow. Involved,
2: yeah, and Massive. Don't know how much it is. 41,000 a patient in phase three.
0: And for, for uh, I'm told by somebody in CSL who's in that side of CSL that for every hundred um, potential therapies that go into phase one trials, something like one oh, makes wow. it through to being. Right. Released to the market at the end. Now, for CSL, who've probably got 100 going on at any one time, that's not a big deal because they're a giant company. Yep. So if they're putting, you know, 10%, 12% of their revenue into all these trials, they know statistically how many they're going to get out there. and They don't know which one will succeed, but they know in the end they're going to get some great successes that will make them a lot of money. But if you're a company with only one, two or three, that's hugely speculative. Yep. yep. And that's why they don't turn out to be good companies to invest in. If you pick the right one and they land up getting a product that goes through all three phases of trials, then somebody like CSL will buy them and the shareholders get a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But the chances of it are so small. But I wish them luck.
1: Uh,
2: It's
0: all in the
1: timing. It as is. well, isn't it? They're, 100%. they're like explorers. Yeah,
2: they? they literally are. And then you've got Tealix Pharmaceuticals, who have just got FDA TGA approval yes. for 6 They've got phase two trials for a therapy drug in cancer for prostate and kidney. They're yeah. they're the ones you want to look at. We've got a buy rating on them, but these other ones it's like there's years of cash burn it's a it's a really hard slog and my hat goes off to mm. all healthcare producers and yep. anyone in the healthcare sector mm. it's a bloody hard to ask and even when yep. you
0: get it through all the trials and you get approval you now have to develop a whole new marketing operation yeah. yeah, yeah. And Ooh, you've so got to sell it to somebody like CSL. Yeah. yeah.
2: And putting salespeople on the ground in the US is a really tough task, and that's a massive amount of money. So Absolutely. you get to the point where you're approved and you go, we've got no money. What are we doing yeah. now? Yep. So yeah, yeah. yeah. hats Michelle, off always. to all healthcare producers. Honestly, <laughs> It's a sector I love.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, final stock. Uh, and uh, Sandy wants a view on Magellan. Financial, the fund management group, Sandy says, I bought Magellan early 22, thinking it hit the bottom. Alas, it has kept going. And Sandy points out that uh, uh, Koshy was in it at one stage. He may have a similar experience. Thanks for bringing up really <laughs> old wounds, Sandy. Dark
2: times. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was like catching a knife. But I got out a fair while
0: ago. Howard, <laughs> what do you think of a job? Yeah, uh, look, it, fund managers need two things to be really successful as businesses. Um, number one, they need fantastic marketing. Yep. Because there are about 6,000 funds in Australia. Mm-hmm. The last time I looked at the numbers may even be more. Um, so you're competing with a very, very large number of people. So you've got to have terrific marketing. Yep. The second thing is you've got to be pretty good at being good stock pickers. Now, Magellan seemed to have both of those. Hamish Douglas was a brilliant marketer, absolutely brilliant. Every quarter he had a story as to why you should be in Magellan. The story wasn't always the same as the story the quarter before or (laughs) the quarter before that, but he had a story that sounded so logical and so fantastic as to why you should have your funds managed by Magellan. And he seemed to be, or his team seemed to be, good stock pickers initially. That, in the end, proved not to be the case. They didn't land up being good stock pickers. They underperformed their um, metrics that they uh, and their benchmarks. And he's now gone. So funds under management, which is how you make money as a fund manager, you make money by having lots of funds under management, which you clip the ticket on yep. and then hopefully earn a performance fee. A, they're hardly ever earning performance fees because they're doing poorly. And B, their funds under management has shrunk from over $100 billion to about 40 odd billion. And it hasn't stopped shrinking, which yep. is hardly surprising because people look at the results and they say, I can get better results somewhere else. So, you know, it looked <coughs> like it was going to be a terrific investment, yep. but it hasn't been.
1: And, and it was and for, for a while. It while. Was.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. was up at as, as years $80. Before, well, if you go back to before the GFC, it was yes. perpetual, yep. then it was platinum, yep. um, Now, then it's been Magellan. So all of these for a while, if they have a terrific marketer and terrific stock pickers, they make money for a while. Yep. The trouble is the moment their stock picker leaves or their marketer leaves, there's nothing really that makes them a successful mm. business. Yep.
2: Yeah, couldn't agree more. It's a highly competitive market, as Howard said. And we've had this new CEO, David George, step in with this strategic review that we're still waiting for. And under that, we've got funds under management are down $25 billion or tw- almost $26 billion since literally this time last year. They are bleeding outflows like no tomorrow. And, and by
0: the way, just on strategic reviews, when a company announces a strategic review, what's it really saying? Or, football club announces a strategic <laughs> yeah. review, yeah. what's we don't it really know what saying? Do. We don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. We've messed up we and we don't know it what out. to do. <laughs> yeah. This is not a good sign. Yeah. So, yeah. if a company announcing a strategic view review, it's probably yeah. a good time to sell the shares. But
2: also, if they're announcing a strategic review, when's a strategic review over and what's the outcome? Yeah, and, and we're yeah. still and final, waiting for that since May last year.
0: And it's not a complex business. No, fund management it, is not complex. You're picking it's not,
2: stocks, you're putting money so in. So, the review's
0: been going a year.
2: Since he stepped in in May last year. So we we're, were expecting a significant turnaround and it's still outflows. So, yeah. where this is going, we're not sure. Company is debt-free, which is one positive, I guess. Yeah. But And they do pay a dividend, which is another thing for income stocks. So, the recent one was 46, 46.9 cents per share. So, anyone holding an income... We've got to hold rating at the moment just because it's an income stock. So, right. if you want the passive income
0: just sit on and, it. And their dividend will shrink, of course, because the funds shrink. under management Exactly, it'll shrink. But it is quite a good yield. It's I not agree. too
2: bad, yeah. It's, I hmm. think it's about 14%, hmm, so, yeah. which is higher than some of their um, peers, which is great. So if you are... The, the yield
1: income, is
2: 14%. I think when I was, was researching... Because the share price is so low. yeah.
0: But geez, that's a good yield. Pretty good yield, yeah. But But what are you gonna get next year? Remember, Telstra for a decade had about the best yield of all the top stocks on the stock exchange. And anybody who invested in Telstra then and has kept it till now, it's been a capital killer. It's just been a slow burn capital killer. You would have been far better off investing in CSL, which paid very low dividends, 20 years ago, compared yep. to Telstra's high dividends, mm. because its dividends have been going up and up and up and up and up and up. Yep. And what's more, the share price has gone up 30 or more times in that time, yep. um, and Telstra's share price has gone down. So one should obviously if you want some income you look for companies that pay decent dividends yeah but you've got to say what's happening with their earnings because if the earnings yeah. are going down then the dividend will be going down exactly yeah. and like
2: if you want income stability then this is not the income stability nope. you're gonna get yeah, but yeah. if you've held it for ages and you've ridden the wave down just sit on it so because um, okay. this strategic review is coming through remember, sometime soon.
0: <laughs> I'm certainly not suggesting this with Magellan but remember no matter how far down a company has gone it could still go another hundred percent. I know. Actually yeah. uh, yeah. look at could go down yeah. to zero, yeah. but yeah. look at
2: Imogene, twenty nine cents to twelve cents in flatline. So Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Okay. Markets. All right, <laughs> let's uh, let's recap the uh, the final five stocks. AA Co uh, buy from um, Grady a no from Howard. Same with Green Tech Metals and Propel Funerals. Imugene, a spec buy from Grady, a no from Howard. And Magellan, a hold for Grady and a no from Howard. Howard Coleman from Team Investor, always great to have you on board. Yeah, get
0: sorry I always land up being negative about most things. No! There's, there's only about 20 Which, or 25 that I would really get excited yeah, about. Maybe know, 100 and that's good. would and get semi-excited. They, and
1: when they come up, we know it's a gem. Hopefully
2: next time we'll have a few more in that yeah, I'd exactly. love to know them.
1: Grady, good to see you Thanks well. for having Thanks for joining us. If you've got any stocks you'd like me to put to our expert panels, um, send them to me, osbiz.co uh, slash picks or tweet us using the at AusBiz TV handle. More of Ozbiz after this and more of the call tomorrow at midday. See you then.